Good afternoon, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus. This is our midweek manna time together in part two of Billy Graham's Nearing Home, uh, Leaving a Legacy. So I'd like to open up with a word of prayer and then we will get uh, right into it. Let's, let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh God, uh, bless this day, what it will be, Lord. Very thankful for it. Uh, so often, Lord, we can just get uh, into the uh, mundane, Lord. But I, I, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we can always uh, see and know uh, and experience every day truly as as a gift lord as as uh, your creation uh, seeing and experiencing and knowing your handiwork and fingerprints lord all over this day i pray that we're looking for that and that we uh, pray ourselves certainly through uh, this day and every day. Bless this time of manna, Lord, and bless those who watch it. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So I'll, uh, I'll pick up here uh, part two about uh, Reverend Graham speaking about leaving a legacy. Uh, he, he writes this. He says, Our children are not like computers. We can't program them so they will always do exactly what we want them to do or even turn out exactly the way they wish they would. It is one of life's mysteries. Two children can be brought up in the same family and in the same way yet turn out to be exact opposites as they grow older. Parents know every child is different and even with the best training some children may reject our efforts to guide them. The best we can do is provide the right environment to love them and train them and pray for them and provide them the tools they will need to make wise decisions as they grow older. We do this both by our teaching and our example. In other words, both by what we say and by what we do. As parents, we have a direct influence on our children. Later on, our influence on our grandchildren probably will be much less direct. Sometimes this isn't the case, of course. Due to death or divorce or some other situation, grandparents may have to step in and assume the role of parents. But by and large, our opportunities to influence both our children and our grandchildren fade as we grow older. But that does not mean that we don't have an influence on them, because we do. Nor does it mean our influence is insignificant, because it isn't. In fact, it may turn out to be one of the most important things we will ever do. Even if we don't have grandchildren, or if we are childless or single, we still have an important and unique legacy to pass on to the next generation and beyond. They are observing us, and they will learn from our lives. Think about it a moment. How will they learn about the realities of old age and how to cope with them? Or how will they learn about the importance of building their lives on a strong foundation of faith in Christ and His Word? Or how will they discover the difference that Christ can make in someone's life, especially as they grow older? The answer is obvious. They will learn these things by observing those who are already older. 
our greatest legacy. The greatest legacy you can pass on to your children and grandchildren is not your money or other material things you have accumulated in life. The greatest legacy you can pass on to them is the legacy of your character and your faith. The same is true for other young people who know us and observe us, even if they aren't related to us. This, after all, is what our grandchildren and others who knew us will remember about us after we're gone, for better or for worse. Our character is bad, excuse me, if our character is bad, marked by greed or thoughtlessness or anger or bitterness or selfishness or irresponsibility or a lack of integrity or any other negative quality, this is how we will be remembered. But if our character and integrity has been shaped by Jesus Christ over the years, they can't help but see this and remember it. Why is faith our greatest legacy? Because the memory of what we were like, not just our personalities, but our character and our faith, has the potential to influence others for Christ. My parents had a profound impact on me. My mother's kind and gentle character and concern for the spiritual welfare of others are reaping fruit still today. Although her formal education was limited, she loved the Bible and spent a great deal of time teaching the Bible to others. I recall also with deep gratitude my father's example of honesty, integrity, discipline, and hard work. I remember as a young man observing an older couple who lived in our community. They enjoyed one another's company, never realizing the impact they were making on those watching from afar. Over the years, countless others have influenced me and changed me by the examples of their lives, although I am sure they are unaware of it. The same has probably been true of people in your life. Our greatest impact on others often comes not from what we say, but from what we do. So here's our greatest hope. What is your greatest hope for your children and grandchildren and for others outside your family who are a part of the next generation? Is it that they will become men and women of compassion, honesty, morality, responsibility, selflessness, loyalty, discipline, and sacrifice? Your hope should be that they will become men and women of faith trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior, and seeking to follow Him as the master of their lives every day. While we cannot make this decision for ourselves, we can show them the way by being an example of Christ's love and of His power to transform everyday life that is submitted to Him. A word of caution, however, is in order here. We cannot pretend to be something that we are not. A Christ-like character cannot be faked. If Christ is not real to us, or if we haven't learned to walk with Him and submit our lives to Him every day, then our spiritual impact on those who follow us will be far less than, that, than it might have been. Young people are very sensitive to hypocrisy. If they sense it in us, they will dismiss our pretenses and pay no attention to our advice. On the other hand, if they can sense our faith and its sincerity, then our love is authentic. 
then they will respect us and take us seriously, even when they know that we are not perfect. This is why it is important to build our lives on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ now, instead of waiting until it is too late and the problems of old age overwhelm us. Every gardener knows that mature fruit does not appear overnight. It takes time to grow, and so does the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The Bible urges us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That comes from James 1.4. Bridging the gap. In practical terms, how we can impact those who may be separated from us by as much as four or five decades or thousands of miles. What's the key? Well, over the years, Ruth and I tried to follow several practices in our relationships with our grandchildren and now great-grandchildren, 43 in number as I write this. Although I know we weren't perfect, Perhaps they will be helpful to you. Number one, pray consistently. Pray consistently for your family. God knows their needs far better than you do, and He is able to do immeasurably more than we all can ask or imagine. That's from Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do what we cannot do, especially within our families. We have all heard the old expression, out of sight, out of mind. Don't let that be true of your family. Pray for them regularly. Don't pray only in general terms, the kind of prayer that vaguely asks God to bless them. Make your prayers specific and make them daily. Pray not only that God will keep them safe, but that He will guard them from the temptations and evils that assail young people today. Pray that God will give them a desire to do what is right and avoid what is wrong, and to seek His will for their lives as they grow older. Pray about any decisions you know they will be making or difficulties you know they are facing. Let them know that you are praying for them, not because you were trying to intrude in their lives, but because you love them and care deeply about what happens to them. Most of all, pray that they will open their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and become His followers. Keep in touch. Sometimes consistent communication isn't easy. Families become scattered, and we also have to avoid giving the impression that we are trying to interfere in their private lives. But take advantage of whatever opportunities that you do have. In some families, this may come daily. In others, it is limited to the occasional phone call or birthday greeting. I know grandparents who have gone out of their way to learn how to email or to register on one of those new social media sites because it gives them an opportunity to stay in touch with their grandchildren. It is important as well to let them know that you love them and care deeply about what happens to them. Not long ago, as I was waiting for a doctor's appointment, a woman casually asked me if I had any grandchildren. I told her that I had 19. She gasped in horror. 19, she exclaimed. How do you stand it? I only have two and they drive me crazy. I can't imagine having to put up with 19. Her reaction amused me at first, but it also saddened me. 
your grandchildren may not dress the way you wish they would or listen to the kind of music that you do, but God gave them to you and He loves them. And they are one of God's gifts to you. So let them know that you love them, both by your words and also by your actions. Encourage them. The Bible says encourage one another and build each other up. That comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.11. After Saul of Tarsus, later called Paul, met Christ on the road to Damascus, one man befriended him and helped him, and he later became Saul's companion on his first missionary journey. That man was Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. That comes from Acts 4, verse 36. It is tempting to lecture our grandchildren or to tell them what we think that they are doing is wrong. And there may be a place for that occasionally. But don't major in the negatives. They need to know that we love them, and most of all, that God loves them. Encourage them when they deserve it. And when they don't, encourage them to think about taking a different path. Learn, too, to forgive and forget if they are thoughtless or do something that hurts us. At the same time, avoid the pitfalls. For example, it is easy to show favoritism even in our families. We may relate to one grandchild more than another and unconsciously spend more time with that one or give him or her more gifts. But the Bible says, do nothing out of favoritism. That comes from 1 Timothy 5, 21. God made each of them, and He loves each of them, and so should we. Our loving and fair treatment of each should build up their faith in themselves and in God. Remember your place. We are not our grandchildren's parents, and we have to be careful not to step over the line and create tension by interfering with their parents' work in their lives. We also need to avoid causing tension or conflict by taking sides in family disputes. Let the Bible's admonition be your guide. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. That comes from 1 Peter 4.8. Be an example. Remember, your children and grandchildren learn more about you through observing your actions and attitudes. Do they see Christ in you? Will they remember you as someone who was living an example of His compassion and love? Even when hard times come or the disabilities of old age overtake you, they will recall your underlying peace and joy in their midst. May they remember you as someone whose life was changed by Jesus Christ, just as theirs can be. Fixing broken relationships. How do we restore a legacy that has been marred by something that may have happened many years ago, but continues to haunt us because it was never resolved? Often these have to do with broken relationships that have never been healed. Perhaps this has been true in your own life. If so, face it honestly and do whatever you can to change it. As we grow older and look back over our lives, we will view these unresolved conflicts. My mother and I always had a difficult relationship, one woman wrote me recently. And for the last ten years, we didn't even speak. 
Now she's gone, and I'd give anything just to have one minute with her to tell her that I'm sorry. Another woman wrote, 12 years ago I told my son I didn't want anything more to do with him. Now I'm wondering if I did the right thing. I feel so alone, and he's the only family that I have. One woman's or one man's letter included this comment. I guess you can say that I burned my bridges with my family over 20 years ago. They weren't perfect, but I have to admit that I was the main problem. I like to get back in contact, but they've let me know that they aren't interested. Each of these, and hundreds more that I could cite, tells a slightly different story, but the basic problem is the same. A broken relationship that has never been healed. Each also has another common theme, regret. Regret over what happened, regret over the years that have been lost, and regret because the time for healing has passed. Don't come to an end of your life and look back with regret over a hurt that could have been forgiven or a relationship that could have been healed if you had only seized the initiative and taken the first step. Why don't we do this instead? Often it is because of pride. We hate to admit that we were wrong or at least that we had a part in causing the split. Sometimes it is because we are afraid of being rebuffed or of opening our lives to still more hurt. But whatever the reason, do not let it keep you from seeking to heal the hurts and conflicts of the past. It is not always possible to mend a broken relationship, of course. Some people simply refuse to be reconciled with someone who has hurt them or with whom they have hurt. Some people also refuse to act, uh, accept responsibility for what they have done, always blaming someone else for what happened. If so, you probably can't solve their problems, but you can solve yours by being willing to go the extra mile to try to be reconciled with someone who has turned against you. You should make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. That comes from Hebrews 12, 14. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That comes from Romans 12, 18. Peace isn't possible in every case, but we are certainly to make the effort. Ask God to make a forgiving spirit part of your legacy not only reconciling you with others, but also passing on an example of Christ's forgiveness and grace to those who come after you. It isn't easy, and it will take much thought, wisdom, and prayer, but it will be one of the most important things that you ever do. And lastly, nearing home with a lasting legacy. Forgiveness is one of the most beautiful words in the human vocabulary, and it is best illustrated by God's forgiveness of sin. When God's people practice forgiveness with their fellow man, sweetness replaces harshness. A marvelous example of this is revealed in the life of Joseph when he forgave his brothers for selling him into slavery as a young man. Joseph assured his brothers that while they intended to do evil to their younger brother, God meant it for good by using him to save many people during the famine that swept the land. 
Genesis 50, 20. Because of Joseph's demonstration of forgiveness, he was greatly blessed of God in his old age. The Bible says, Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. That's from Genesis 50, 23. What a legacy! The grandchildren and great-grandchildren of this hero of faith enjoyed fellowship with their grandfather, Joseph. If we cannot find it in our hearts to forgive within our own family, how can we practice this attribute of Christ with others and know God's blessings? The Bible says that great blessing comes when we see our children's children. That comes from Psalm 128.6. Do we fully comprehend the blessings that come from the hand of God? May we take advantage of the opportunities to influence our families for Jesus Christ. Good chapter. Great chapter. Lots of spiritual wisdom and uh, words uh, of wisdom to uh, ponder and to consider certainly from a wise man and a man of God. So, wanted to leave it there for uh, this afternoon. I hope that Reverend Graham's words uh, were a blessing uh, for you this day. Let me close with a word of prayer for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, it is so uh, very important, Lord, that we are leaving a legacy for the next generation, Lord, with so much going on in our world, O oh God, that uh, angers us and, and divides us, Lord. Uh, so many breaks, Lord, in relationships and in families and in the church, Lord, and in community. Lord, we, we need a balm in Gilead. We certainly need Jesus Christ. We need the, the power of prayer. We need the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior preached and, and and taught and lived every day, Lord. A, a very important part of that legacy of Jesus is passing our faith and our witness of Christ on to the next generation, Lord, so that they can lead, so that they can guide, so that they can empower the generation after them. Lord, it begins with us, Lord. We can be the healing agent, Lord, the balm of Gilead in the name of Christ. Lord, guide us, Lord, in that direction. And we ask this in Jesus' holy and blessed name. Amen. Church, you have a wonderful and blessed day. Take care, and I will see you next week.